Today, I'm welcoming back men's coach Ian Wood. In our conversation today, we're going to talk about how embodiment, stimulation, and sexuality work in towards men's work. Um, although the umbrella is around men's work for this conversation, it does stem out towards all genders, all sexualities, all recognitions, especially once we get towards stimulation and sexuality. It's a very beautiful, vulnerable conversation. Always grateful for Ian to be on. Hope you enjoy the conversation. We'll see you on the other side. But first, a message from our sponsor. Our healing journey can be difficult. It might feel lonely at times. That's why I love sound baths. Where we can get together in a community, we intrinsically support and feel supported by others. And that combined energy can help us go deeper into our own healing journeys. And all you have to do is just lay there for one hour and listen to beautiful healing sounds. I'm a sound healing practitioner, and I hold sound baths on a regular basis in the greater Seattle area. You can find my next sound baths on my website at adamrealhealing.com. That's Adam, A-D-A-M, real, R-I-E-H-L, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, dot com. AdamRealHealing.com. Your healing is worth your time. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Ian Wood. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, today I'm joined by a past guest and good friend of mine named Ian Wood. Uh, Ian has transplanted himself from uh, the beautiful Baja area of Mexico to North Carolina within the past uh, little bit of time. So uh, I'm really excited to catch back up with him and see what he's been up to now that he's moved to the East Coast. Uh, so uh, men's work is what Ian kind of does on the uh, on the big grand scale. Um, but he loves, I mean, I just, I love the passion that you have around all of the work that you do. Um, it seems to revolve around men's work, but it also permeates from men's work out into community work, into, you know, the love of the relationship of all these beautiful things. Um, so kind of actually kind of picking up where we left off in our last episode, which is episode 38. So about 50 episodes ago, um, and, uh, and just kind of diving back into men's work, we're going to talk about embodiment, stimulation, and sexuality today. So if you've listened to the episode that just came out recently with Destiny, uh, we talked a lot about sexuality and how pleasure can heal relationships. Um, so this is a beautiful kind of segue transition into this conversation with Ian on more of a um, uh, you know, men-centric kind of understanding of how this work can, can manifest inside of us. So Ian, thank you so much for being here, brother. I appreciate your time, appreciate your knowledge all the way from the East Coast. Grateful to be here. Yeah. And congratulations that you've done 50 episodes since the last time we were together. <sighs> man, um, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I'm in, uh, just under uh, just under 100 right now. And that's, wow. uh, yeah, when, when you start a project like this, you never know really how long it's going to go. But I'm just, every every episode that I put out, I'm so thankful for it. I'm thankful for the guests and thankful for the listeners, man. Thank thank you listeners for for you know, giving me somebody to talk to and putting these people on to, uh, to communicate with. How fun. Yeah. So how's your journey up to the East yeah. coast been, man? You, uh, you've been out there for about what, six months now? Yeah, probably getting close to six months. I, you know, I love that we're talking about men's work and you're asking me about it because it was pretty terrifying to come out here. Mm. I literally was living in Mexico, went and got my vehicle in Washington and drove 4,000 miles <laughs> here where I didn't, I, I, at the time didn't know anyone. Yeah. And men's work was my crutch. Mm. Men's work and the men's community here held me. It was the only thing I had to hold me when I was scared. Mm. It was the only familiar thing I had. And 
it's such a beautiful thing and i'm i'm i i'm just so grateful to be starting the podcast with this is part of being in these men's groups you can travel the world i could travel the world right now mm-hmm. and and whether it's mankind project sacred sons whatever the men's group is like this this global network is just weaving and getting bigger and bigger so i had this I had that web here in Charleston Hmm. and the men here just took such good care of me. One of them rented me a car the first time I came out for like three months. Wow. Another man like let me move in with him where we would have circle every week. He let me move in with him. He helped me in so many ways and we became really good friends. We'd go surfing and stuff. Hmm. So I, I don't know that I, I mean, maybe I would, but I don't know that things would have worked out the way that it did without the men's community that I'm connected to and the way that they just brought me in like a brother straight up. Yeah. That's, you know, and that's so beautiful to be able to know that you're held in that kind of way when you're able to go to these different areas of the world, whether it's a neighboring state, similar country, all the way across the world and, and be, be connected with these like-minded people that, that, that can hold you and, and, and keep you safe and help you on that journey that you're on. You know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, my, my fiance, Monica started traveling when she was 18. Like she had a rough childhood. She didn't do well in school. So she got an opportunity to travel her senior year and went to Europe for two months. And the amount of just, so, and she's been doing that for the rest of her life, right? So she's 37 now. She's traveled to 40 plus countries. She's all over the world. She's always traveling. But the beautiful thing about that is that everywhere in this world, she has a place to go. She has a place to stay. She has somebody that she knows that will help her, give her a car, take her for, to, to the airport, pick her up, whatever it is. But to have that security and to know that around the world, there's somebody that's going to take care of you or at least give you that, that landing space for you to get a start... There's, there's a beautiful comfort in that knowledge once, you, once you've experienced that. And I think that teaches us too, like how can I be that person for somebody? How can I hold that space? How can I share my knowledge, my wealth, my wisdom, whatever it is that I have an abundance of with this, this person that just needs a little hand for now? It's interesting because I've always been so social and group oriented. Mm-hmm. Like I've always, I, growing up, you know, I skateboarded and snowboarded. That was my thing. My friends were everything. My friends were everything. My guy friends were everything. I would I would choose my guy friends over my partner, like, for sure, yeah. all the time because they were that important to me. The, the last couple years, I haven't had that. Mm. Like, I left. I, I really, I really... I really put myself in a cave to transform and change. And it was the most introverted. I think I was, I think it was in the collective consciousness too, because it was when COVID was going on. So I think it was in the collective, this kind of uh, introverted hermit kind of energy was in the air. Mm -hmm. And I did it like, I've never done anything like that in my whole life. I've never been so introverted by myself that had like ripple effects on me, even in my human design and in different, and, and I just know about myself, I'm a very social person, mm-hmm. but this very, I had to do all this internal unraveling and, and peeling apart. So 
I got used to being on my own, like lone wolf for sure. Yeah. And it's been such an important path for me. And I think it's really helping me to understand other men because I think a lot of men go lone wolf <laughs> and coming back into being social and, and I, I'm going bowling tomorrow night. Like I set like a date to hang out with guys and go bowling Yeah. because I'm trying, it's like, it's important for me to be social. I think that, I think that's something that, that I'm learning and I, and I know it's talked about with men, like that it's so much like women are considered so much relational, so much more relational and, and like to be with their friends. But I don't, I don't I think that men need it too, but it's just maybe not as easy or not as natural. I don't know. Obviously this is a large generalization. Yeah. But I'm finding I'm just finding this beautiful path of going into isolation and coming back into the men's community and just really being like, I want friends, I want guys that I connect with, and we go play and we go talk about deep things and we go do man things. Right. Yeah. There's you know it's funny you mentioned the the COVID introvertedness because I I noticed that about myself too during that time and. And it was funny because it was actually the opposite for me. Like I've always, uh, I shouldn't say always, I hate, I hate when I speak in absolutes. I'm really trying not to speak in absolutes anymore. Like always and never, and I'm this or not that, you know, but in my past, I've been okay with being introverted and uh, I care, I, I, I accredited that a lot to the jobs I've had. I've had a lot of extroverted jobs where I've managed teams. I've worked in restaurants that had like, we would do $50,000 in sales in a day. You know, we have just busy, busy, busy. I would see thousands of people a week you know, and it just, it would drain me. So I would justify my introvertedness, go home, sit on the couch, drink my wine, shut the fuck off. Right. And it wasn't until COVID that I realized how much I actually needed a community and how much I thrived in community settings. And it was just, it was the right community, right? So take the restaurant out of it. I don't need that drinking and, you know, all that stuff that went along with that, my, my version of restaurants, but the community and the yoga community, I, I realized I missed. And so like I was doing a lot of meditation around that because I, I had made peace with being an introvert. I'm like, I'm cool with this. Yeah, you know, have a person here or there. That's it. Don't need it. I'm, I'm good. But what I really found was, and this was, this was hard for me to understand because, you know, it goes back a long ways and it has me deal with a lot of the stuff that I'm not proud of as a human being. But when I was in my late teens, um, you know, I, I started selling drugs and, and I had a really good friend of mine that we went into quote unquote business together and he was my guy. Like I love him to death. And we were, you know, that quote, what rider dies, you know, we had each other's back and, um, and for, you know, many years we were doing what we were doing, but there was a point where, um, we were, we were riding around one night, late, late, late uh, one night in Houston and ignorant kid shit, you know, we got pulled over. Uh, I had, I had weed on me, a considerable amount, and my buddy had a considerable more amount. And so he said, Hey, give it to me. I'm going to take the fall for this. And he took all of it and he put it in his pockets. And I mean, the cops had us there for hours, you know, trying to get me to rat on him and vice versa and all this shit tore the car apart, all this stuff. And my buddy went to jail for a little bit of time and, um, and, it, our, our relationship was never the same, right? Whoa. Even though he chose to take that route and he, because cho- he knew I had different plans. I was, you know, planning on moving soon, all this fun stuff, you know, or not fun Whoa. stuff, but all these plans. So and he was like, you know what? I'll take the fall. I'll do this. And 
um, shortly after that, my dad passed away and my buddy who was always there for me didn't show up to the funeral and that, that hurt me. And I didn't realize why mm. it hurt me at the time, but through mm. this meditation and through all this playback in my head, what I've realized is that like the one friend that I could trust, the one friend that I loved, I, I broke that in a way, right. Mm. By letting him take that fall for me, I abandoned his mm. friendship and, and it just, it wasn't the same. And so like subconsciously that fucked me up a lot. And I don't think I let people mm. close to me again for a very mm. long time, unless in a romantic way, because of that reason, because I didn't want to go through that pain of him, quote unquote, having the decision of taking the fall and then having animosity in our friendship and then having no friendship at all. Like we're 40 years old now, just establishing communication again, you know, but mm. you know, so there's like, there's, there's like a deep psychosis in a lot of this stuff with us. If we can really look back and say like where that damage has come from. And so now that I understand how that has manifested in my life and how that lands, I can look for that now and say, I don't need well, one, I'm not doing ignorant kid shit anymore. So I don't have to have anybody take the fall for me anymore. So that's always a plus. Yeah. But you know, I can start to, to release some of that, um, some of that pent up mistrust within myself to allow trust into another human, another man, another friend to come in and kind of embrace that understanding and embrace that idea. Mm. but that's yeah. work, man. It, it took me a long time to get to that point. And I'm still, you know, still wrestling with it a lot. You know, I still, you know, revert back to my introverted days and can be totally fine with that. But now I know that I need people like yourself, people like Cam, people, you know, our brothers and our, and our friends in our life that can, that can be there for support for us. <clears throat> Let us know that we're not all on, on our own. I think that there's a, there's a extra element to it, especially I would say, choosing the path that isn't the norm hmm. you know those of us that don't don't drink maybe at all if very often or uh just aren't into the things that are normal like i don't really care about sports i'll go watch them and <laughs> like have fun with guys there's, there's all these guy things that i don't care about so it, it like it has narrow, it does narrow the field a little bit. So yeah. it's, it's something that I think I was just like, I was just like, I'm not going to hang out with men unless they're on my level or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like, it's interesting. I'm, I'm more on the path of like, what's the best thing I can create with, with different men that I, connect with in some way yeah. if i'm going if i'm sitting in a men's circle with some man there's for sure ways that we can relate where in the past it's like i didn't really you know i was just like i only want the best friends and nothing more <laughs> like i'm not settling for anything and and now i'm at the point it's like man i just like i want to hang out with good men and talk about cool things and like constantly be learning through that process yeah yeah, there's something to be, you know, challenged by the friends that you have, you know, and, and not just be placated to, you know, I think there's a, there are a lot of times where our friends, at least myself in the past, have been afraid to, you know, to tell a friend, you know, what I feel the truth is, right? And, you know, there's that old adage, don't use your truth as a sword. You know, if I see a truth about you that maybe you not might not recognize, it's maybe not my job to just take my sword of truth out and be like, hey, fucker, there you go, you've just been cut down by my truth. But finding a like finding a beautiful way to share, you know, your version of that truth that you're seeing that maybe that that person across from you isn't seeing, but doing it in a way that's helpful, not in a way that's like, hey, guess what? 
you know, and let me show you what I see, you know, it's a more of a helpful thing. Hey man, is this, is this how you want to be represented? Is this the way that you feel that your emotions are best being talked about? You know, but, but you know, having a way to politely and, and respectfully challenge you as a human being, you know, but that, I think there's, there's a delicate balance with that too, because we're in an era right now where even just like the slightest mis- disagreement might cause a huge rupture because we're in a place where we've not found ways to respectfully disagree anymore. You know, if I disagree with you, we're done. You're canceled. You're out of my life. We can't talk anymore. But, you know, if you disagree with me, one of the things I learned best about COVID right now, you know, with this aftermath of COVID is how much you should listen to the people that don't share your opinion. You don't have to say, I believe you, but listen to what they have to say, because if it's differing than your opinion, why is it, you know, see how that lands with you instead of just getting aggravated with the fact that they have a differing opinion and shut them out. And now your information is no, you're null and void. You could be the smartest human in the world, but because you told me to wear a mask and I don't think I should get fucked, you have no information that I could take anymore. Right. Right. So I think there's like, there's that balance of, of getting back to a place to where we can receive constructive information in a way. And so creating those safe circles, creating men's circles, creating women's circles, allure groups, you know, where these places are safe to explore our emotions, explore our thoughts without being damned for them. Right. I think that's a beautiful yeah. thing. So I, I, you know, love that you're doing that out there and, and everywhere you go. I mean, it seems like that work just follows you. You follow, you find it where you need to find it. Yeah, it's been going that way lately. Yeah. I've been enjoying that. <laughs> so with uh with men's work, um, you know, what kind of uh you know, what kind of I don't know if scene is the right word out there, but I know that every kind of area of the world is, you know, focusing on something different, you know, like if I go to do sound bath down in Sedona, it's received, you know, the sound equipment is different. The sound vibe is different. Um, so what's like the, the vibe out in East coast right now? Like, what are you guys working on in your men's groups? You know, I only have a small window cause I'm just sitting with the group of men that I'm sitting with, but What I pick up from from this place is what I feel is that the this the soil is full of nutrients and it's it's like ready for a like a big blossoming. Mm. But what I've noticed so far, and once again this is just a small window, is that and this is what I noticed in Mexico too, is the women are just so hungry Mm. for the work and like for the progression and the evolution. And there's this, there's this space for, for men to really, uh, like I said, blossom. So it's really what I feel here. The, the, the group I sit in is like 15 men usually. Okay. And I think half of them are new men, like not initiated in the Mankind Project. So I do see a bit of that blossoming. And then there's this is like one of the longest men's circles that, ex- that it's like been around for 15 years within MKP. It's like one of the longest mm-hmm. consistently going men's circles. So there's there's these veterans, there's these older men that have been doing it for so long. And then there's just like all this new blood coming into the scene. And, you know, this goes a bit into another conversation that we were talking about, which is like 
you know, how, how I see men's work really evolving, but I still kind of see it in the phase that it's been in for a while, which is like that first stage that is men, it's okay to feel your emotions. And this is how you do that. And let's practice. Mm -hmm. But it's this like original, there's this phase that is so important. It's, it's one of the first most important phases, which is men, you need to feel your feelings. Right. That's, you know, I've seen, I've seen within the mankind project. That's a lot of where the men's work is. It's like, you need to feel your feelings. It's a lot about feelings, expressing feelings, moving feelings. Uh, and that's, that's kind of similar here. Yeah. The, the feeling side, um, so I, I, uh, I participated in a few men's groups, uh, with camo, um, you know, on, on a series and then some individual men's groups on like satellite kind of stuff. And, um, and you know, to echo what you're saying, yeah, there's this big push about emotions, like feel your emotions, feel your anger, don't repress anymore, you know, get that stuff out. Um, but if I can share something about myself, I, I really appreciate the the feeling of the emotions because I'm I, I I am an emotional person that has learned to hold on to my emotions and not let them kind of be, but in in and mainly in like the um, let's say like crying or or allowing sadness to be there, embracing you know uh, the understanding of depression, not you know falling into depression, but understanding the message that depression sends. But the the where I kind of get hung up and I've tried and I've tried, it just doesn't land with me, is the anger emotion. And so there's practices where you, you know, stand in the middle of all these men and you like hit your chest and you're like, oh, I'm fucking just, I'm so angry. And I feel like I'm playing a part every time I do that. Like I, it doesn't feel natural. Like I don't, I mean, I guess I have anger. By no means am I saying I don't have anger, but I don't feel natural touting that anger and screaming and pounding my chest. You know, it feels like a character that I'm playing to, to placate a situation, to, to play along. Mm. And, mm. but and when I'm done with it, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like, uh, negative about myself for playing that part, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's really benefiting me to, to be that person. And, and to be completely honest, now that I'm saying this, I think that, that aspect has kind of kept me away from some men's groups because I don't mm-hmm. want to, one, I don't, I don't feel comfortable witnessing other men be that aggressive and that aggro. And I've, I've worked in many places where there were bar fights and aggravation and you know fists being thrown and all this violence that I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, you guys you know, do your, do your angry bear shit over there. And that's cool, but I'm going to just be over here and meditate because I think that's more landing for me. So, you know, I don't know if you could speak to that, but there's that, that side of that to me, Mm -hmm. just, it doesn't land. And, and I'm not saying it shouldn't land with others, but you know, some people it does, some people it doesn't, but how do we, how do we traverse that in a men's group to where we can still be a part of that, but not, you know, not placate to it, I guess. Right. Yeah, you know, in the in the in the saying, there's this saying about women are allowed to cry and men are are allowed to be angry. And not even allowed is not the right word, but it's like that's where men are funneled towards anger. That's like acceptable or the normal to be a man and be angry mm-hmm. and to be a woman and cry. That's like the old, you know, the old story. Mm-hmm. And you know, such a potent topic 
uh, I could talk about anger for a long time <laughs> for sure. Um, that's the that's definitely the emotion I grew up around. Okay, with like the masculine is is angry, as like from my mom and my dad. When in masculine energy was was anger, hmm. um, and for me it was easy to be angry and the stretch was for me to be sad mm. so i the the time i was in mexico i actually went really de deep down the feminine path of like healing around feminine wounds and 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 being in feminine containers with feminine teachers going in deep kind of into the the dampness the the wetness the tears the sadness those denser emotions i find myself coming back to this place of really valuing anger and i think everybody's path is different mm -hmm. everybody's path is unique like we talked about earlier that uh and i think that that's I think that that's important that we showcase that in men's groups is someone, it might be a stretch to be angry and someone, it might be a stretch to be sad and someone, it might be a stretch to go into their shame. Like everyone's got like a different. And, and I think what you feel and what's, what, what is easy to feel into is, is the anger ones, the one that is kind of goes to the most yeah, because it's big, it's active. It can move a lot of energy for me. What's been really important is changing my understanding of the the energetics. Mm -hmm. So actually dismantling that that label, which is anger, and starting to actually feel more into the energy. And this is actually my focus in what we're talking about bit today is like the fire that is in anger, the energetics are actually very close to the fire that's in passion. That's in sexuality. Okay. The fire is coming from a very similar place and can be felt in a similar way for me. So what I what I'm what I'm really learning on the path with anger is how can I emote or move that energy in a way that is healthy and constructive? Mm. Because usually when when what usually happens with so many men is that anger is like the, the, it's like the thing on the front of the boat, breaking the iceberg. Okay. It's like breaking all this hardened stuff. Mm -hmm. And usually what happens, what comes after the anger is the sadness is the shame is the fear is the whatever. So I think that, um, yeah, it's it's a huge subject, but I've I've really come to revalue that inner fire as a training. Like you talked about truth as a sword. Mm -hmm. And I think this fiery energy is the sword work. Sexuality, anger, passion, all these fiery energetics as men. This is our this is our mastery with that sword because this is when we talk about masculine energy and testosterone, that combination is it's outward, it's active, and it is energetic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like you're alchemizing your, your uh, perceived anger into a fuel to, to push a passion, right? And 
I, I love that yeah. because like I, for me, and I, and I, I noticed this with my partner with Monica is, you know, she is so free and just open and creative and boisterous and, you know, all these things that I'm not. And, and I used to get upset, you know, down deep, I would look, you know, she would have these conversations or be in these parties and I would see how, you know, magnetized she was and all this stuff. And I would like kind of look at her and be like, man, just tone it down a little bit, you know, like what the hell. But now I realize that, that, that bit of anger that I feel is jealousy, that she can be that free and that understanding that open without, the um the story that goes along with that at least in my head you know externally looking out and um and so that you know so that that is that fuel now but we have to get to a point to where we can quiet ourselves down enough to understand it's a message and not an emo and not like this thing we get trapped in you know and so but now like i see these things as uh camo actually was on the show the other day and talked about reworking the word trigger into the word portal so instead of being triggered to something, that's you know, the word I use. Oh, it's beautiful, man. I, that was just introduced yeah. to me, and I love that. You know, so having this portal open up inside of me to show totally. me, like, hey, man, you've just had something totally. arise inside of you. What's what? Are, do you have a space to work on that? Right. Let's okay. Totally. Let's dig into that. And those those aggravations, those anger points that I that I feel are ninety nine percent of the time, and probably a hundred percent if I really put my time into it are something that I'm sad about myself for not being able to do or questioning myself of doing. Totally. I, um, you know, anger is the protective energy. Mm. It's the protector. So, you know, when I'm angry or when I work with people with anger, I'm always like, what are you protecting? Mm. Cause the protecting might be the under emotion. The protecting might be what you're, you know, there's a fear there, but the, you know, the anger is big and energetic in that way to protect mm. something. And it could be just a perception of something that it's protecting. But, um, I think ultimately the practice is how are we comfortable with being in with every emotion yeah. that if I have discomfort with any of the emotions, that's, that's going to set me up for, for weakness in some way, or I won't say it's going to set me up for weakness. I'm not going to be at my potential. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be at my full potential if I have a, an imbalance with any of the emotions, because Emotions can come and they're not mine, you know? Yeah. I could live the most zen out peaceful life and I'm still connected to the collective consciousness. I still am going to have to work with that emotion flowing through this energetic body. Mm. Man, and that's something I'd, you know, stepping into this healer realm and not calling myself a healer, but working with the healing arts, right. you know, holding right. men's circles yourself, you know, doing Reiki energy treatments. Like we... I've been warned, I'd been warned, I'd been talked and trained about it, but until you feel the absorption of somebody else's energy into your own body in an unwelcomed way, that's when you know, like, oh, shit, this is real, and I need to protect myself, because when we put ourselves out into these big groups, you know, know, last night I held a sound bath and had 30 people there. I have another 50-person sound bath tonight. You know, that's a Mm -hmm. lot of energy that's being pushed at me as the practitioner, and me trying to, like, you know, fend off all this and understand it at the same time, when I'm done with my sound baths, it takes me at least 30 minutes to cleanse myself. Like I'll sit, 
sage, use tuning forks, use rattles, sit with hoppe, but anything to get me back into my body and to clear that energy out. Because it's a, it's amazing how much we take on without realizing it. So just think about the person that isn't tuned into, uh, you know, whatever that is, right? Just, just thinks that they're their own body, they're their own emotions, but they're being constantly hit left and right with all of these exterior emotions. And it's like, why was I just triggered? Why am I upset now? Whereas before I was just happy. Well, what's around you? You know, what kind of state of mind are the people around you? Are you protecting yourself from that energy as well? Yeah, it's such a dance. It's a, it's a <laughs> dance. And I think it's like in those areas that um, what we, I think like a bit of what we're experiencing is when we, when we open up, it's, like energetically there's less separation. So it actually becomes like when you're in these big sound baths, it's actually this becomes this whole soup where you guys aren't all as, is separate or rigid singular entities, but you actually become more of one soup and all of the energies come together and like stimulate the frequencies in, in each of you. And uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the thing that it's interesting, the thing that's worked for me the best in my path in men's work, because when I would go staff men's weekends, you know, there's like a hundred men doing insane, you know, saying things they've never said in their whole life, doing deep work. And I would leave there just so screwed up for days <laughs> Yeah. at the beginning, just like so screwed up. And uh, what I found to help me the most were, were like Wim Hof cold plunges. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Just that kind of crash the body, you know, stimulate the nervous system. And I think it was like, I don't know. It felt like the water, I don't know, something about the water, just like taking that. It's like the, the water just, I don't know, cleansing that energy, taking it. It's just like, you know, it's like almost like if you could bury yourself up to your neck in the dirt, you know? Yeah. Just being immersed in this 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 frequency that's just able to kind of put you back to square one or yeah. like a more grounded place. Oh, there's a documentary on Gaia right now that's uh, talking about the I think it's called the Secret of Water, and it's talking about how water holds memory. You know, and and I've you know peripherally I've seen all these dis different experiments over the past like probably a couple decades about you know how each emotion causes different types of tears to come out. You know, so if you analyze the tears that come out of your eyes Whoa. in a happy state, in a sad state, in a grief state, they're all like molecularly different. You know, and then there's experiments out there that if you like, if you speak nicely to water and then freeze it versus if you speak negatively yeah. to water and freeze it and how it shards and all this stuff. Right. So we know that water holds memory, like it holds information in there. And so, you know, I would love to see as the science continues, how something like a cold plunge and that intentional, like, so you're putting your intention into a healing of that water and how that water is receiving that intention and then helping work with you to accomplish that intention. Right. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's a beauty, there's a smartness to water that we probably will never understand. You know, it carves out the most hard, yeah. hard surfaces, but it's also the most gentle thing. You know, it can mm -hmm. be hard, it could be soft, it could be steam, it can be gas, it could be all the different elements, you know? So there's like this beautiful, like wisdom, I think to water that, that we're maybe we'll understand one day. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. It's like, 
such a gift, something I try to be more and more thankful for. Yeah, most definitely, man. So with that, I mean, it kind of works into the embodiment side of it, you know, with, uh, with getting back into our bodies, you know, finding those ways to, to embody ourselves and not to, um, you know, think about our body as just a meat suit that gets us from place A to place B and every once in a while it needs to sleep just so it doesn't die you know? So like embodiment practices, getting into those extreme states, extreme hot, extreme cold, finding what, you know, the sensations in the body. Um, Mm. you know, I think a lot of us are in this instant gratification world where we just seek that gratification and then we're ready for the next thing. And then we're ready for the next. So I could be in the most peaceful place, but thinking about what I'm going to do next and not actually being embodied where I'm at and feeling the embracement of the healing modality that I've chosen. Totally. Yeah. So with, uh, with embodiment, how do you recommend for people, you know, not just men, but people in general to, to get back into their bodies, to find a way to trust that understanding again? Mm. I had been, I was thinking about this earlier and this, what really came to me on my path, cause men work, men's work really was what blossomed my embodiment journey it was a lot of the shadow work it was a lot of the somatic stuff of like all right where do you feel that emotion in your body i was like what are you talking about where do i feel the emotion in my body like (laughs) what are you talking about like that question was really a beginning origination of my journey into embodiment and i think especially in this day and age the key to embodiment is slowing down The key to embodiment is what I've found over the years is like, I can't feel my body if my mind is going 100 miles an hour all the time. Right. If I'm constantly overstimulated by a phone, by a computer, by, you know, just constant stimulation, my mind's always somewhere else. It's always imagining. It's always visualizing. It's always thinking about the future. How the hell am I going to feel my body? Like, <laughs> I think, and I think this is a huge part of the masculine feminine imbalance is that being in the body is more feminine and being in the mind is more masculine. Mm, okay. And so many, you know, every gender is living is so many such a high percentage living only in the mind or a majority in the mind like we you know everything's celebrated of productivity and this and this and that like so much of the mind is is valued and celebrated so mm. for me a huge part of it was just slowing down to have the bandwidth and I'm still on the journey slowing down to have the bandwidth to listen to feel to feel a subtle sensation you know I know people that, and maybe you can, I don't know. Some people I think are gifted, uh, more gifted and, and have had different paths. Like I was drinking and doing drugs like pain pills like for years. So I have a lot of numbing that I am working on reversing. But it's yeah. like some people can like feel individual organs or like, you know, I'm pretty sure I have stories of like someone knowing the exact ovary they had cancer in or like the exact location of these things that they can feel in their body. Like I'm not there, no way, but this, this it's an ability to feel a sensation is listening. Mm. It's not active. It's receptive. It's feminine. It's receptive. It's like 
can I feel this thing in my body? So honestly, what comes up for me for anyone that wants to be more embodied, yeah, do the somatic dance, do the um, uh, breath work, do the movement stuff. Mm -hmm. But ultimately is the mind has to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a book called the four the four ways I believe um, it's a, it's a, it's an old Toltec uh, it's written in the 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 idea of the Toltec tradition and uh, one of the things they talk about is four ways to look at the body to know your body's constitution and your body's health and it's um, your ability to sing your ability to dance your ability to tell stories and your ability to sit in meditation and mm. That, wow. I mean, just the four things, right? Can you, can you sing? Can you use your voice, right? Can you be proud of the voice you have? Can you tell a compelling story, right? Can you catch people's, you know, attention and, and give them some knowledge, right? Are you cool with moving your body? Can you ecstatic dance and not feel ashamed about it, right? That's beautiful. And then can you sit in silence? And for mm. me, it's ecstatic dance. Wow. And that's the thing for me that I don't feel comfortable doing. Like I'm, I'm getting better about singing in public. You know, I love telling stories. It's part of the thing that I love doing. I, I, you got to pull me off my meditation cushion. Like I could live there if I needed to. But dancing for me is that thing that's like, ah, oh, just fucking cringeworthy, you know? And, but that's, that's, you know, a good map for me to understand, you know, where to start with my personal embodiment, with my feeling shameful about my body movements and not feeling that I have maybe a right to move my body in a free way, you know? And so now, oh, man, every morning for the past two weeks, I've woken up and I've ecstatic danced for five minutes roughly before my morning meditation and i'm trying oh, yeah, my dude. damnedest i'm so fucking trying to get past this part of me that doesn't feel comfortable about my humanity you know express yeah. the expression of my humanity but yeah. you know but it's it's quieting like you said quieting down the body enough to listen to the messages that are being told to us and, and can we do something about it once we find that message you said body but i think you meant mind just so, <laughs> yeah. the, the listeners know. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, it, but this this kind of goes back, uh, is, brings up another point. Um, boredom, right? When we're bored, God. there's so many good things that happen from boredom, right? Our subconscious can finally start to like, you know, noodle about some things that it's been noodling over. Maybe jump an idea of that it's been noodling over that we're ready for the conscious mind to have. But if we're constantly filling our time with all of this stimuli from TV to Netflix to, you know, our, our screens, everything that we can do to not listen to our bodies, are we ever going to be quiet enough to hear those messages, right? So hear those, like, right, right before you go to bed, we have ideas. When we're in the shower, we have ideas. When we take a walk, we have ideas because we're not really focused on anything anymore. We allow that boredom to seep in and let the mind kind of noodle about it. So I think, you know, part of that embodiment is, it kind of sounds counterintuitive, but build in some boredom in your life. You know, schedule boredom if you have to, you know, schedule yeah. time to go sit outside and not have a phone, not have a screen and just stare at a tree for an hour. I mean, when you, you know, that word, it's so interesting because that word has morphed so much for me. And, and when you said it, I was like, that is literally a word that points at addiction. Mm, wow. Yeah. <laughs> It really is. If someone's bored, it's literally pointing out where they have an addiction. Mm. It could be food. It could be entertainment. It could be, it's, it's that something is going on inside of them that they don't want to sit with. Like there's, there's literally discomfort of, of not doing. Mm -hmm. 
And so, yeah, it was wild to hear the word because I haven't, I don't think I've heard it or thought about it in a while. It's like, wow, that literally points towards I need to soothe myself. Right. That's a really interesting correlation. I never thought about that either. But it really is, you know, when we're bored, you know, the mind is like, well, what can I do to not be bored, right? Oh, I'm going to do this cocaine or I'm going to have this drink. I'm going to go stimulate my body and my mind in some kind of way. Eat this sugar. Right, totally, man, you know. But can we just be bored? I mean, we're, ah, God, and I'm, I'm a victim of this. You know, my kids are 18 and 14. You know, my kids grew up in the tablet era. And, you know, yeah. for all intents and purposes, hey, crying kid, we're in a restaurant. Here's a tablet. Just watch your thing. Please be quiet. You know, we'll, we'll deal with this later. And now, you know, now we're just in this place where everybody's overstimulated. And, you know, it's like, totally. I tell my, my 14-year-old all the time, you know, she's like, I'm bored. I'm like, that's good. Lean into that. Like, be bored. Be okay with that you know, figure out how to be bored and, 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 and embrace that because your day is very packed. Like she's a 14 year old child. She's in high school. She's got like so many things, extracurricular. She's got the homework, the school, all this shit. Be fucking bored. Take two hours out of your day to have nothing to do and be okay with that shit. Cause when you're 40, you're going to pray you had that two hours a day to not do shit. Yeah. Gosh. I feel like we could do a whole podcast on boredom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's so interesting because it's it's one's ability to be not doing and content and present is an exact representation of how much they're actually living their own life. Mm. Because if you can't just, if I can't just sit and be and like, be good with that and excited and and like, Oh, wow. All right. I'm here. Yeah. And I'm here. It's like, no matter what they're doing, their mind's doing the same thing. Even, you know, someone like me, that's an, was like an extreme sport nut. I think a big part of it was like, when you're like, when you're like could die, (laughs) your mind like really sharpens. Yeah. But it's still like, as soon as it's over, it's like that addictive cycle. I can't, I can't be dropping in on snowboard lines that I'm feel like I could die on every single moment of my entire life. Right. Like it's just not possible. And every time I get to the bottom, if I'm like, wow, now I'm bored and I don't feel good about life. I am not going to be set up for success for any other aspect of my life. And that's like an extreme version. But I think that's kind of points at what's going on so much is like always, you know, and here we're getting stimulated is like always stimulated. Yeah. Have to have stimulation all the time to uh, not feel what's going on inside of me. I love Michael Singer so much as a teacher because he's always like, it's a mess inside and you need to, and you need to work on that mess or it's going to be everywhere that you go. Yeah. Wow. And if you think about stimulation in the sense of like, if we have prolonged stimulation, right? So think about if you've had like, you know, uh, an energetic medicine experience, right? Whether it's like ayahuasca, MDMA, you know, 5-MeO, like all these, these energetic medicines that bring us to a point, this uplifted state, And if you've been in a stimulated state of like, uh, you know, like an orgasmic state, if you will, for 
more than like a minute, two minutes, five minutes, that's intense. And like, you're ready for it to be done, right? And so living in that uh, elevated stimulus, you know, when you have that put in front of you, because like what you're talking about is like, okay, I, I dropped in, I was stimulated, I did the run, now I'm not stimulated. Okay, I'm going to go back and stimulate myself again and go through this again. So this is constant cycle. But when you reach that level of stimulation, and there's no dip in it, you're just there at that peak orgasmic state for prolonged time, you're ready to be fucking done. And I, you know, and th- those are those lessons that I've learned the hard way that it's not good to be stimulated all the time. Like your nervous system can't handle it. Your body can't handle it. Your brain is like, okay, we're ready to be done now. Okay. My toes are curled enough. Like where could be done, you know, but I think I, you know, if I've had to have those, those moments to appreciate the boredom and to appreciate that lower, you know, energetic level, if you will, not lower in the sense of like down and negative, right. but just not right. as, not as high up there to be able to think clearly and to be able to, to appreciate, you know, this, this state of equanimity that I'm in. Mm, yeah. I love that word. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if that lands with you at all, you know, with the stimulation side, you know, cause totally. I think, you know, we're, we're always seeking that stimulation, but if you can actually find it and the, find the prolonged version of that stimulation, it's really not what we want. And what comes up for me when you share that is, my ability to be with subtle stimulation is really the work to stretch my capacity to be with exuberant stimulation. Mm. Nobody, people have such blessed, gifted lives and so many are living in hell. Right. It's like, this is, this has become part of my practice is like, what, what aspects like what subtle gifts can i be grateful for like can i be grateful that my hand moves mm. not everyone has a right hand that moves right yeah can i be grateful for this subtle stimulation that can scratch my eye can rub my ear and it's like that's something that that i really went down a deep rabbit hole is like we cannot receive in a single moment what's going on mm like the amount of stimulation that's going on. Like I would go sit down and watch a sunset and I would like, I was like, I was trying to receive it as much as I could like to open up. Yeah. It's like, I can't receive that. I can't receive being on this freaking rock floating through infinite outer space, corkscrewing around this sun, <laughs> 93 million miles away as it sets over this ocean that doesn't exist anywhere else. Like I just, it's impossible for me to like fully receive that level of stimulation. Right. And so many people, I mean, <clears throat> the amount of people living lives that no human being has ever lived before as far as like, oh, let me eat my little fig from across the world and my little nut from Brazil and drink on my little drink that comes from like five different countries and like, you know, it's just like we all have these king and queen lives <laughs> and so many people are just like dissatisfied as fuck. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really starting to find like this to be my path is, is like, how can I enjoy the subtlest things mm. at, at any moment? And 
this is what people are being robbed of when they are constantly stimulated is they can't be with the slightest stimulation and therefore they can't receive the amount of stimulation that they're experiencing. They're always disassociating or running away from it or, or in some way detaching from it because their bodily body isn't physically able to receive that amount of stimulation all the time. Yeah. Obviously generalizing again. But I mean, that's a very true statement. There's a, there's a Buddhist meditation that my uh, meditation mentor taught me a while back. And it was uh, kind of to, to focus on that, that gratitude for the subtle, you know, and by no means is our breath subtle, you know, our breath is our, our, our life force, but it's a subtle sensation, right? right? And so the idea is you sit in your meditation and for each inhale, you thank that breath for giving you life. And on the exhale, Love that. you thank that breath because you're not expecting another breath to come in. You said, thank you. I'm yeah. so appreciative of the life that I just had. Exactly. And dude. then you inhale exactly. and you're like, oh my God, hey, there's another breath. Hey, look at me. I'm live again. And then you let that what breath go and it's like, hey, thanks for that gift. Appreciate it. Hey, look at me. I'm breathing again. Right. And you just do that over and over again. There's no expectation of that new breath to come in. But whenever it does, you're like, hey, guess what? I'm alive again. And now I'm, I'm in that timeline. I mean, if you think about it, every time we exhale, we're on a timeline, roughly of two minutes before we can inhale again and, and, and live. And if we don't inhale within that two minutes, we die. So every totally. exhale that we take, we're on a timeline until that next breath comes in. Right. And yeah. so like, that's the scientific side of it, but the, the meditation side of it is just appreciating it for what it is, you know? And, you know, a lot of what we're talking about being overstimulated is, is so many people are living in survival. Mm. Like their body is actually living in a state of constant survival, right. the way that the body is operating and the way that their breath's operating, the way that their blood is flowing, the way that their heart is pumping is in a survival active state, sympathetic. And, and so often the program story, I think so many people exist with is that like life is dangerous and I always got to be looking out for the next thing to get me. And I always got to be one step ahead to like survive. Like that energy is really strong in the collective mm -hmm. and the breath and that subtle sensation and what you're sharing is like this constant reminder that every breath is an, a representation of how much life loves and supports us. Hmm. Love that. Love that. It's just like, it's like rewriting this story that is life is so dangerous and I got to work so hard and like, oh my God, life is, you know, this kind of like animalistic view. But it's like, how many breaths have you think you do you think you've taken in in your life that life just provided you that air? You didn't do anything for that air. Uh -huh. Like every single one of those breaths was a representation of how much life loves you and cares about you and is supporting you. And that's Ooh. just one small example. Yeah, that's beautiful. And we we can see that the life is working for us and not against us. Like there's that it's that subtle knowing. You know, there's a, you know, the idea of viruses have been very popular in the talking about since COVID and all that shit and viruses are bad. We should kill all the viruses, bacteria, totally. you know, 99% killing viruses, fucking soap and all this shit. <laughs> but, you know, but the, you know, the, some of the truths that, you know, some of the doctors that I listen to to talk about is like, if viruses wanted us dead, we'd be fucking dead. There's trillions and trillions of viruses out there and there's, you know, a handful of billion of us, right? If we wanted to be wiped out and viruses wanted to do it, they could fucking do it. But what viruses do is it's it's basically bacteria with a protein that carries information. 
And as that information comes into your body, your body chooses what to do with that information. Maybe it self-selects to say, hey, guess what? We're not going to take this information. Uh, this information doesn't fit with us. So we're actually going to take it in and it's going to allow the body to decay and die and then reborn, be reborn in a stronger version so that we could carry that new information down the road. Right? You know, so there's like this, this dem- demonization of all Ooh. this stuff that we just don't really understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And once again, you know, it coming back early to living this life as a human. And there's so much more to experience outside of our thought. But it's just like, the whole boredom thing, the whole like, there's just so many aspects that it's kind of like this is the path of least resistance, which is to be overstimulated and think a bunch mm-hmm. in the world today. But it's, it's, it's so easy to look at. It's not the way it's yeah. not working. Like so many people are on medications and problems and, uh, uh, incoherence in the bodies and disease and just like there's such ancient wisdom that and now science is backing of just like the importance of being the leader of this mind not the opposite right right you know it's interesting now because i mean not only are our natural paths and, and holistic healers but now, um, you know, medical doctors with the you know litany of alphabet letters after their names and the white coats are now prescribing meditation as as a prescription, like as a medicine. Like you need to sit down and meditate. And this is like, you know, your your Primera fucking Blue Cross Blue Shield doctor, right? Not not your local apothecary. You know, this is like, you know, so whatever weight you put in, whatever person you take information from. But like, it's something that's very interesting now that this this is being prescribed as you need to listen to your body. You need to slow down. You need to over like unstimulate yourself and be here in this moment. And I've just, I'm, I'm interested to see like what more of these practices are getting prescribed like breath work, right? Okay. You need to do some work. You're afraid to take hallucinogens. That's fine. I understand that holotropic breath work. Let's hyperventilate for 90 minutes and see where that takes you, right? Because that's going to be a fucking experience that you never thought you'd have. You know, I was just having that conversation with somebody the other day about that, you know? So there's all these beautiful techniques, these somatic techniques that we now know to up and down regulate our nervous system to get us in and out of these states of mind. But are we into a point to where we can start prescribing these, start sharing these, you know, like yourself, when we, when we first talked on our, on our first episode, um, you know, you were, in, in my opinion, you were lucky enough to be kind of raised in the idea of men's work as being something that is on the forefront of your being. Um, you know, that was beautiful that your dad kind of brought you through that and you had that upbringing. So you have that mentality going into it. But for a lot of us, we didn't have that. You know, for me, when I finally started to learn about yoga and breath, I had to search for this stuff, you know, to find out like the modalities and the things that, that work now that one of the reasons I started this podcast was to put this stuff out there. You know, so, you know, I think hopefully we're getting to a point where this can start to become regular 
I don't know if curriculum is the right word if we're teaching this in schools, but maybe it's something that parents are now starting to dial into their children a little bit more as they're reparenting themselves and finding these modalities that work for them. Are we sharing that now with our kids so that these kids can be, you know, a little bit better set up to, to figure this out instead of being 40 years old and not knowing how to breathe right, you know? Yeah, it's so wild to watch because it's like these little devices like are causing so many problems, but they're also like such a key to massive change. Yeah. Like these little devices have the potential to uh, topple down the those that are in power and kind of puppeteering the way that things are like it has the power because it's you know really this realm of social media is energetics like people can teach anything there i mean the stuff that's taught on social media these days is like it's insane some of the things i have like listened to i'm like how can i just listen to this for free on my couch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right (laughs) so it's like it's crazy because we're definitely going to deal with the ripple effect, which is like, there's definitely going to be impatience for uh, there's going to be impatience like they have for drug addicts right now for stimulation, for sure. Right. Like that's going to exist and it's going to be an insane withdrawal, like maybe worse than drugs. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, at the same time, it has the power to really uh, change the, change the tides, which is um, this game that, that that humans have been led to play for so long which is which is valuing the external world over the internal it's just like yeah not working anymore no no it's not you know and there's there's you know i think we have to understand sometimes that we're it's not necessarily the the um the delivery system that's that's broken like take let's take fast food for example right so fast food is you know Ideally, it's it's pretty shitty for the body. It's not really the most healthy. It's usually really inexpensive, but it's everywhere, right? It's in every big city, little city. It's on the corners. It's all over the place. So, like, we understand that we have now the ability to get food all over the world, all over these countries in a very speedy kind of way, in a very efficient way. Now, we'll take supply chain issues out of it for the recent COVID shit, but just understanding, yeah. right? So, the, the, the idea of fast food works. It's the delivery of what we're putting out there that's shitty, right? So if we take the understanding that fast food is now a structure and it's now, you know, it's got footprints in all these places, now we just improve the food quality, right? Now we're just putting better food into these areas, right? So now that your fast food is also fast, but it's nutritious, right? So it's not like the the tool is a broken tool. It's just being misused. You know, right, like take right, advertising right. also, you know, advertising, totally. we know like oh my gosh. advertising yes. was written by Sigmund Freud's cousin, right? The book on the original book on advertising, how to like work with the brain, how to understand how to trigger the brain to want these things was written by Sigmund Freud's cousin, right? And so like, there's a big psychological aspect of advertising, right? We know how to pull at the heartstrings to make people buy shitty sugary sodas that'll give you cancer and die. Well, buy all these things that you'll throw away in a week because you'll realize you don't need them. So we have this, this road map, this tool of, of reaching the human, of pulling on their heartstrings, of working with their psyche, totally. can we totally. do it to encourage happiness? Can we do it to encourage altruism? Can we do it to encourage boredom? Or do we have to always sell this thing that's going to make this person money and then kill everybody else? Right. So right. the tools are out there. We're just fucking using them wrong. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, the infrastructure is there. Right, totally, man. It's like we just got to figure it out. So like the phone, you know, the phone we know is addictive. We know, um, you know, the the damages that it's causing to our brain. But there could be a beautiful use for this device because it's now putting information in all of our hands. So looking at the way it can change government, can we now vote from our phones from a secure line or can we defer that vote to our congressperson, right? You know, there's there's ways that we can utilize these devices in a better way. We're just kind of stuck in this like, hey, guess what? I got a new toy. Let's play with this toy. You want to look at some porn? Want to listen to some music, you know? All right, well, cool. Once we're done with that stimulation, how are we actually going to use the toy, right? Yeah, and it, it's uh, it's crazy because it's it's the things that make us human leave us susceptible to the problems we're finding ourselves in. <laughs> but it's like I see this really important journey ahead, which is like reclaiming what makes us human. Hmm. But it's like so many of these attributes that make us human leave us susceptible to the sugar, to the phone, to the, every, you know, all these different things that that uh, have become a part of everyday life. Yeah. And it's like the rails are really going in a crazy direction. It's like a lot of that is just what comes from what makes us human and the way that chemicals and and hormones and, and information is put into our body through our mouths, through our eyes, through our ears. Yeah. And uh there's also this like we also need to really rest on the other aspects of what make us human. And really uh flexing that muscle and and getting connected to the 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 higher consciousness that is like just here to witness this funny human experience. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know, it's, it's almost like we have to find all the toys to distract us to realize we don't need the toys anymore. You know, it's, it's how much, how much stimulus can we take in to realize that we're stimulated enough? You know, I can't remember the, the, the therapist that I listened to, but I think it might've been Nicole LaPera, but she was talking about how, you know, when we're born, we're born with the perfect amount of joy and happiness in our lives. We get all of it. Right. But as we get older, we think we have to add to it to stay joyful and happy. So we keep piling things on. And the, the, the idea that she's had is like putting things over your heart. So you're kind of like, you get a house, you get a car, you get kids, you get all these things. You know, you think you have to keep adding to, and then you feel this pressure of like all oh, this weight on your chest of like, what the hell is going on? But as you start to peel that stuff away, you feel the lightness come back and you feel the joy, the true pure joy, because that's what we were born with. We don't need external. We, we have it all within us. You know, so learning, mm. learning to embrace that and learning to, you know, if you need a car, great, get a car, right? Does it have to be like the top of the line car with all the leather and the air conditioning and the power shits? And no, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it can just be like a manual four wheel drive car that gets you from point A to point B that kind of has a miscolored match doors, right? Who fucking cares, right? Be you, right? But when we're constantly trying to uplift ourselves to this level that nobody's going to reach because even the people that have quote unquote reached it are miserable as shit, right? Why are we continuously climbing this ladder or piling this stuff on? We sit down we find these peaceful practices. We finally find somebody like a group of people that will accept us as the emotional, uh, you know, beings that we are. And then we can finally realize that 
maybe I don't need this. Maybe I don't need that. Maybe I don't need this. You know, I'm, 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 I'm the happy person. I'm the joyful person right underneath all this shit. Mm. But the stimulation kind of has to go away to get there. It's just a game of energy, you know, it's just a game of energetics. And, and, uh, I think where science is, is really getting to now and, uh, the, you know, technology and all these things will hopefully soon enough point us back towards a natural symbiotic, Mm -hmm. like present grounded way of existing because, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think there really is, I, th- I really do believe there's an opportunity and it exists is existing already is like, there's so much place to just really have this beautiful planet where, you know, I think humans are just, we're here to, to be stewards of such a magical place. Yeah. And we've lost sight of that. It's like, this is the coolest place to live that we know of. Yeah. And as far as we can see, this is the most magical, magical, magical place of as far as we can see. And how do we how do we just enjoy it, take care of it and share it with one another? Because it's such a gift. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, I I think we're maybe we're swinging back that way. You know, that that understanding that we are one. We are with this world. We're not, you know, directing the world. We're part of the world. Um, you know, well, that's a, a, a conversation I had a while back. We were talking about um, definitions and uh, and nature. And there's a definition. I think it's in the Webster's Dictionary. The, 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 the definition of nature is basically, I'll paraphrase, but it's saying anything that is created outside of man is nature. So basically the definition of nature is excluding humans as being part of it. So nature is anything created outside of man. And that's bullshit, mm. right? We are nature. We're fucking descendants of nature. Like we've evolved through nature. We are we nature. Are nature. <laughs> I'm fucking made of hummingbird feathers and orange peel yeah, rides and stardust totally. and shit, right? I'm fucking All nature. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, even in our definition of it, you know, we separate ourselves from it. So subconsciously, we're we're pretty far away from that, that understanding that, no, I am that tree just as much as that tree is me. Totally. It's like, that is the great remembrance is like, we are literally this planet experiencing itself. We are we are a mixture of this planet and, and like God consciousness yeah. mixed together experiencing itself. Well, that's a fucking statement. <laughs> and it's like, wow. and here we are having these like, you know, wars and all this stupid shit. And it's like, we are literally like every molecule of us is made from the contents of this planet, which is like, I mean, I'll, I'll say Michael Singer again, his latest book is just out of this world. So good. Mm. Um, Living untethered. Okay. And he explains, he's like, he explains it so well left brain to like, to, you know, to God from, from, from science to God is just like, this is what's going on. You know, this is all the way down to like the matter. Mm-hmm. And it's like our whole bodies are comprised of the elements of this planet that are the, com- comprised of like the elements of past stars. And it's just like, here we are fucking may mad about traffic <laughs> <laughs> when we're like 
the incarnation of some crazy consciousness of that's created it all mm -hmm. mixed with like this wild fucking planet that is like can't be found anywhere else yeah and we're like eating lollipops and throwing fucking wrappers on the ground and driving and you know in traffic and uh -huh. yelling that seems pretty ridiculous when you put it like that <laughs> <laughs> oh man i love that perspective i fucking love that perspective man it's you know it's it's when we you know i had a, a spiritual mentor tell me one time she's like we're all magical we're all gods we just Dude. forgot how magical we are and we're just shitty gods Seriously. you know like we Seriously. can create we can destroy we can do all this stuff and we're just like meh whatever it's with lost its luster on us like no man embrace your magic the goddamn national uh national uh animal of scotland is a unicorn like if that doesn't show you that that is fucking magical shit then goddamn it man it's a goddamn unicorn is their national animal there is magic in this world we've just forgotten <laughs> oh so i got a question for you all right so we've been talking about stimulation we've been talking about embodiment and uh you know in a way what kind of came to me while we we're talking about this is you know we're so stimulated in this world now and we seek it is sexuality kind of falling by the wayside because we're oh, all gosh. externally stimulated and now we're not like Dude. to be, I mean, for a long time I was addicted to porn and my sexual stimulation came from pornography, even though I had a partner at the time, you know? And so, you know, and that's just my journey, you know, but are we, do you feel like we're getting to a point that we're so stimulated that even sex is now like, meh, whatever. And you know, we can, we can do it. We can not do it, you know? Wow. I love the way that we got here. Um, so I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak most directly to people born male. Okay. Men that are, you know, cis men, biological males. Um, just to clarify that. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that for us, survival and sexuality stimulate us in the same like on the same level of like loudness mm, okay because men you know this species has been implanted with in different ways the ways that our bodies function are the ways that our minds have developed to like the first thing is is procreation right because like what's the point of, of species that doesn't keep procreating? It just dies off. Right. Exactly. Keep so that's very going. embedded in us. So survival is really important to live, mm -hmm. to get to the point where you can procreate. Procreation is, I think similarly on the same le level of stimulation or the same way that it overdrives our, our mind and body because men can actually have kids after they die. Oh, yeah. I guess you can, huh? Women can't do that. Yeah. Interesting. Men can impregnate a woman and die within those nine months, and a child can still be born. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I believe, and, and, and just look at the way men behave around sexuality, you know? It's like, look at the numbers around porn. Look at, like, the percentages that are men. Mm -hmm. It's... <laughs> It's not that something's wrong with men. It's the way we're hardwired. Right. It's the way that our brains and bodies function. 
we want to like make it such a thing of like, oh, you know, and then that breaks it down to each individual man, like, oh, you're so bad. And it's like, no, it's the way we're hardwired. Right. Like, it's just, uh, so like getting to the, this is really why I've got like life has led me in this direction is that, okay, like we talked about with boredom mm-hmm. and stimulation for men. Arousal is no longer about their body, the body being aroused. It's about the mind being aroused. Okay. In the in the level of stimulation that we're at right now. Um, in the same way that we're talking, you know, that I talked about earlier about embodiment. That I can that I can be aroused by something super subtle. Mm. That I don't need to watch some like crazy porno that's like so stimulating and so taboo that it jacks up my mind enough to get me turned on to my body. You know, it's like this massive stimulation needed in order to actually function in that way for so many. Right. And... I mean, this can be seen in like, there's like 20 year olds that are getting Viagra these days. I've, yeah, totally. Yep. And they've even rebranded Viagra to something more like catchy and trendy and stuff. I'm like, dude, there's no need for that unless you like really can't get it up. <laughs> and and I truly believe that this is pointing at overstimulation and disembodiment. Mm. People can't live in their bodies because there's too much trauma and stored energy they haven't dealt with. Right. And they've moved to living above the neck. So it's actually about up here. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 the pleasure is very briefly for the body, but it's most importantly for the mind. Okay. And it's also a mechanism of people living, you know, especially I'll say men, males again, living so overstimulated What's the best way to hit reboot? The best way for this body to hit reboot or shut down mm-hmm. is to release, to have an orgasm. Mm, okay. It's a it's like a robot, like yeah. And it's briefer and briefer, I think, over time, because the levels of you know, right after I get that, I turn down. Oh. I pick this thing back up. I get stimulation again. Totally. Pick up my phone. I get stimulated again. I go instantly back into stimulation. But I really see it as this mechanism of of turning myself, like turning off the switch for a second. Yeah. Even if it's just for a second, there's no, you know, the other, the only other ways are alcohol and drugs, right? Which are just as popular. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like. These are the ways in which people that are so highly overstimulated and their minds are going all the time, stress, anxiety, worry. It's like, no wonder the soothing mechanisms are so popular. No wonder alcohol is so huge. No wonder weed's so huge. No wonder like all the ways that a lot of people soothe are so popular or, you know, or orgasm. It's like, it's a way to... Turn yeah. the stimulation down. Interesting. And I uh I think for me, 
because I've been on this path for a long time in all these ways. And I think that sexuality is one of the most powerful ways to uh, work with stimulation and to like, I think it's one of the most powerful tools for personal development, yeah. honestly, uh, because it is so sensational. Yeah. It's a powerful tool because it's so sensational. Yeah. There's a, a woman that I've had on a couple of times that she's a, um, uh, uses sexuality as a part of her therapy and, uh, the amount of, you know, amount of stories that we create around sexuality, I think is one of those things that, that we've, uh, that we need to put a little bit more light on, you know, because we put a lot of shame around sexuality. You know, we, we, you know, it just in, in stereotypical sense, you know, we, we demonize the, the, the woman, the, the woman recognizing as a woman for having a lot of sex and call her a whore, but we grand grandize the man and be like, Hey, you're awesome. Look at you. You're a player. You got all these women. Right. And so there's these, like these, these rough stereotypes around sexuality. Um, even, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s where I grew up, you know, there's a, there a huge, it's gotten better, we're still working on it, but there's a huge negative understanding about homosexuality, you know, and, totally. and not being a heterosexual recognizing male or, or female, you know, and now mm-hmm. we're getting past all that stuff, we're, we're opening the understanding of that, but there's still, you know, there's these stories that we've ingrained ourselves in. And I think Mm -hmm. the unraveling of those stories and kind of like you were talking about earlier, you know, we're, we are wired biologically differently, you know, between men and women. And so, you know, men might be a little more, um, uh, attracted towards that stimulation. Right. And, but are we, are we so, you know, is, and this is the question I ask myself a lot now, is it, is the act that I'm doing really that bad? Or is it the story that I've created around that act that is really fucking me up? Because to be completely fair, like I have no issues with anybody watching like a porno pornographic scene that's not hurting anybody. Everybody's like, you know, signed up to do it. You know, nobody's being held against their will, but you know, having that stimulation, that's great. You know, that helps a lot of couples in some kind of way, you know, to see somebody else having sex and be like, Oh, well that's just turned me on. Now I'm ready to have sex. so there's definitely right. a place for it, but are we now creating a story of negativity around that because of the right. societal constraints or because of our past actions or whatever it is? So, you know, is it more the act of the thing or is it the story that we've created around the act that really fucks us up? And that's, that's the, the work that I've been working on for myself. I think that, uh, I think it's been very purposeful the way that it's been demonized. I think it's been very uh, purposeful because I think that it's actually one of the most potent and powerful ways to connect to like the higher consciousness. Right. And um, yeah, I'm finding it for myself as like it fits perfectly with like with breath work, with embodiment, with uh, meditation. It's, it's, it's a tool that fits in so perfectly with all those things to be more connected to yourself, to be silent minded and connect to God. I'll say God or the universe or the divine. It's for me become something that's like, I don't think, I do not think at all in 
in in my practice in that way. It's like I am fully embodied. I am fully present. It's it's maybe my most powerful meditation right now. Right. And I think that I mean if you look back at you know in 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 Egypt and stuff, it was it, it was treated that way. Right. It was treated as like this religious spiritual thing. And I mean, there's books written about it. There's many ideas behind it. And I don't really care to like get into it or like, you know, really learn that myself. It's just like, I know, I know that it's, a, that it's for one, it's loving. Mm-hmm. It's loving. It can be loving. It can be connecting. It can be kind. It can be like opening. It can be all these things that are all, uh, definitions of healing or expansion or growth yeah there's a book um it's written in the 90s called the fifth sacred thing um fantastic book she ended up i think there was a a, a couple like i think it ended up being a series but the book is fantastic but there's the the premise of the book is trying to find a way in a in a dystopian type world to have the rebels um, you know, basically, so you have the, the, the overarching, like, you know, the Lords that have taken over the world and that have all control of the water and all the resources. And then you have all these rebels that kind of live in these outlier areas. And the idea is that the rebels are trying to quote unquote win, right. But without force, they're not trying to like go in and say, Hey, we have a bigger army than you. So just by default, we win. Right. So, but they're trying to say, Hey, like their, their, their moniker is there's a place at our table for you. Right. You, you can come sit at our table at any point in time. Right. But part of the substructure of the book, it talks about how, um, how we need to embrace the emotions and the full human, uh, you know, emotional spectrum. And so they have what they call these sex temples they call, I think they're called love temples. And, um, and they're set up for men and women to go and explore their sexuality unabashed, right? To find true understandings of love, of support, of nurturing, right? And But the way that they use these throughout the books is that as people start coming over from the, the, the lordship side and start being swayed over, all these kind of mindless zombies that have been just raised to be in wars, the, the initial... Uh, part of their therapy is to take them to these, these, these love areas, these sexual areas, and to reintroduce love to them through sex and through pleasure. And mm-hmm. the way that they talk about it and the way that they embrace that idea is so fucking beautiful. And so I started doing some research on that. And apparently the Romans used to do that back in the, the, the Roman days before, like they would go off and have their conquests and do all their shit, but they would stop at these brothels before they came back home so they could get that sexual energy out. They could, they could be, you know, that primal kind of, you know, mutualistic kind of understanding, but then go back to their families a little bit more rested, a little bit more prepared and not yeah. straight from that war, that violence into their home life again. So there was almost like a buffer to get some of that energy out before they went back to their houses. So like sex has been used in a lot of ways, you know, it's in these so beautiful profound. ways, you know, to, to help us it's understand so our emotions. I really would love to get to a point to where, you know, if I feel depressed or I feel anxious or I feel like I just need to be loved, I could find a place that's safe 
that is embracing and explore that sexuality that we all really need to explore in a way, but not feel demonized by it and not feel like I'm doing something wrong, you know? Because sometimes, like, our sexual partners might not be the person that could be the person that can hold that space for us. You know, and I'm not saying, you know, we should live a polygamous life, but, you know, again, we've right. been raised in these different ways. Like right. I was raised in the 80s and 90s where we were monogamistic, you know, I had one partner yeah. and that's it. So, so it's kind of expanding the ideas of, of what sexuality can be. And again, kind of taking the stories away from it and letting it be the beautiful experience that it is. And it's like we started out, it's like the path of men's work is it's different for everyone. And someone else's medicine is different than someone else's medicine, but there is profound medicine available with that path. Yeah. Profound. I mean, I am where I'm at with this subject because of my experience with it in men's work. And any time that we open the door to the conversation about sexuality, it was like, I would always hear at least one and most of the time, multiple people that said, I've never told anyone that in my whole life. Yeah. And, and what I believe is that there, it is the place that holds the most shadow or it's the place that we, un, it's the most, the place of the most unconscious, like wounding or energetics or th things that haven't been looked at or dealt with, like the most unconsciousness exists in that realm. Right. And what that means is the greatest opportunity to find the hidden gold and healing and like gifts and beauty and power. It's like, it's all waiting there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just like like sound, like sound is really coming up and all these different modalities of healing are really blossoming. This is one too that's on the rise right now that there's so much healing available and there's just so much expansion and growth available to uh, really change things. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, the, the person I talked about earlier in Destiny, you know, but her practice and, and seeing and hearing about all these different practitioners that are that are starting to flourish around sexual healing, around, uh, you know, sensual healing, and, and just the understanding of pleasure as being a beautiful emotion that has a lot of information that can help us. You know, I think there's, there, we, we need to, and I think it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, it allows me to look at the things that we quote unquote demonize now and, in a different light is saying like, well, what? Is that really a bad thing? You know, are we approaching it in a different way? Can we approach it in a different way and let it be a good thing? You know, there's a lot of that opportunity for us to look at that once we find something that kind of glaringly uh, absorbs that light, you know? So are we, are we in a place to where we can, uh, you know, respectfully usher in div divine sexuality, you know, and really embrace that as something that we raise our kids with and saying like, yes, we're sexual beings, be safe about it, but explore it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's a, an important part of vital health. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Like it's an, it's a, it moves energy. That's what I'm, what I'm, so what I've found is that it moves energy like nothing else. And it's, understanding it and working with it is I see it rippling out into my external world. Like I have more energy to create. Yeah. I have more energy to do. I have more passion. I have more ideas flowing through. I have more desire to take on more clients. I have, 
uh, clients just coming in. I have like this different stuff that happens as I connect and build and move and work with this energy as it's a practice for me, it's a practice. I, I think more that I'm more committed to than yoga or anything. Wow. It's like my practice that I've picked. That is like my energetic work and my healing in the, and, and for me, it's like the, the thing about it that's so potent is it's a journey. Every single person can do with themselves right yes like can receive the teachings and take it to the practice with themselves and i think in all the in all the different things you can do that but in this way it's like i don't know there's just something about it that's special yeah yeah that's that's beautiful you know and i think you know when we can get to a point to where we can we can embrace that self-pleasure and not not be you know because i mean I mean, I was grow. <laughs> I grew up with two brothers. You know, like there was a lot of masturbating going on in our house, whether we knew it or not, right? But you know, it was always. You know, not saying that we should just do it in open, but like there's there's such a taboo <laughs> around it. You know, that you know it has to be secretive. It has to be like doors locked. You know, windows shut. You know, nobody's home. You know, all this like ritual around so the secretive weird, of you're right. So you know, weird. and it's like you know, why not just you know rub one out in the shower, wake up and be like, oh hey, how's it's... it going? You know, and and not feel emotionally like you know sad about it or like you've done something wrong or you know something of that nature, some story around it, but just being like, huh, that just that felt great. Now I'm going to start my Tuesday. And... Imagine the pendulum swinging all the other, all the way the other way. That is like, this is fucking sacred, right? Yeah. Like huh. this is like prayer. Yeah. Like this is like meditation. Like imagine, because you know we're just imagining here. Mm -hmm. Imagine it swings the other way, where it's just like this super sacred thing. Mm. Yeah. Like a ritual made around. Your self-pleasure. Yeah, ritual, man. Mm. Ritual for sure. Like think about if you were raised as it viewed as a ritual and sacred. Right. How different you think things are gonna be when you're a teen and that energy is becoming really strong mm -hmm. and you're like getting into your 18, 20s and like instead of a world that's like, yeah, just bang everybody and get drunk. It's like <laughs> it's like this is some sacred ritual. Yep. Like, yeah, that's going to change things. And, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because that's basically how that book, The Fifth Sacred Thing, kind of goes. And it talks about how connected these folks are with their, with their humanity and their divinity because they're able to and allowed to explore their sexuality unabashed. And when we can explore our sexuality unabashed, we now know what consent really means and feels like. And when consent is taken from us or taken from somebody else, right? So it's it, when you're raised with that awareness and understanding, it allows all of the understanding of those emotions to come in instead of you just kind of like hearing the taboo-ness of some of these emotions. No, you need to experience it because you're raised with... And, you know, you presenting that just makes me realize, you know, and I forget this. I forget this at times. It's just like any anyone on on the path of of sharing information and doing different healing modalities and the internal stuff. Anyone on the path focused on the internal stuff is just so needed in the world right now because we have, I, in my judgment, you know, I'm going to use an ego measurement, but it's like we have a long time before that'll work because yeah. there's so many injured people and wounded people and hurt people. And it's like, 
that can t- that could totally be something that works in a healthy society right and it's so it's like yeah i often think i'm i often th- like i often don't value myself for what i do and it's just like that possibility exists where a world's so healthy that we don't have to worry about like the demented kind of uh like twisted people ruining you know like coming in and making it more traumatic or whatever it is it's just like um yeah it's it's there's a lot of possibility for our species in this planet yeah and i think this is one of the potent tools on that path and it's interesting because I'm so called what I'm really being called to do is work with men in their own practice Mm. because then there's no worry about how it ripples into anyone else. It's just like you, you know, as a man and your individual practice, the way that you connect to yourself that way. And how does it become a, uh, how does it become healing and growth instead of like shadowy taboo, sneaky, uh, like, you know, weird energetics yeah yeah and there is you know it's it's it it, it all does start with you with with us the the individual right you know get your stuff straight before you start permeating that stuff out there and that doesn't mean that you have to get your stuff like 100 percent, right but just start the work right start the work when you start your own work it permeates out right you could have this idea of wanting to change the world but if you're walking around kicking your dog yelling at the mailman all day long then that's not a fucking way to do it right fix you right? Find out why you're upset with the mailman and you just kicked your dog, right? Stop that shit. Let that permeate throughout your household, throughout the neighborhood, throughout the community, throughout the state, throughout the fucking country, throughout the world. But let it start with you first, right? Don't try to fix the world if you're an asshole, right? Yeah, man, that's a, it's a, that's one that I don't think can be heard enough times. Yeah. Um, like, especially for us as any person that's in a role of facilitating or leading one, anyone in any way, the more people you facilitate and lead, the more people I facilitate and lead, the more that I have to be on that path. Yep. The more that I can't falter from that path of like, of, of, of being connected to my energetics and what is going on in here. Right. I'm pointing at my mind listeners and uh yeah it's it's no it's no joke i think when i became a coach this is the most internal work i've ever done yeah it's like life didn't give me another option it's like as soon as i signed up for that i feel like i've been training for marathons of (laughs) of like internal work i don't have a family i don't have kids i barely like you know i just like just like I had to just focus so much attention on myself. And um, I think that it's, it is, it is that responsibility that we carry is that if, if we want to share this information and, and no, I don't want to bring it into some realm of perfection because that's not what I'm saying, but it's just like, it's kind of this agreement right? is how I feel. It's like this agreement that I'm going to take care of this and work on this. And that is first and foremost, my, that is my legacy. That is my ripple into the world. And then the work and the other things that I do that comes next. Right. 
you know, that's interesting because to me, it, it, it almost sounds like your subconscious <clears throat> planted this opportunity in front of you to hold you accountable for the work it knows you need to do. You know, and I, I think a lot about that with, uh, you know, so in, in, and I've shared this on the past, you know, in the past, but, you know, I've had, and I, you know, I've had suicidal thoughts in the past. I've never acted on them, but I've had them, right? And I think a lot of us do, right? But, you know, when I, when I start to think about my life in that kind of aspect, and, and I, I think about how much I do love the life that I live, there are those moments of down moments. But I think totally. subconsciously, you know, I put, I put things in my life to hold me accountable to be here. My kids, totally. right? My, my the, the loved totally. ones in my life, right? So I have something to, when I get to those dark moments, my subconscious is like, but remember, you have two beautiful daughters, right? And it's like, shit, I do. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right? And I, so I think, you know, in, in, that, in that same kind of sense, my po- this podcast that I host is that same cool. accountability, right? I can't totally be totally out here is. talking to people like you, talking about men's work, talking about sexuality, talking about plant medicines, talking about all this beautiful healing work if I'm not embracing that path myself. And so in a way, right. this podcast holds me accountable for the healing journey that I started years ago, you know, to keep you talking to people. You want to start a podcast. Right. <laughs> hey, man, I help you out. No, no worries. I love that. But, you know, I so I, that, I think, it, you know, our subconscious does that, you know, it puts these things yeah. in front of us to hold us accountable because it knows it's for our best. And maybe we're just not conscious enough to know that it's for our best. But there's something in us that's going to make us show up continuously. And then we'll figure it out that it's for our best. And I do love giving credit to the subconscious and I will stretch it out even further. And I'll say like our soul or our like even further, our beyond our human. I think there's even that part that's like put these, you know, put these things in place. These, these people at this time and these sufferings and this and that it's like, it's all part of that too. So it's like a mixture of those amazing things to set us up to have this experience in the way that we do. Yeah. There's a woman I was talking to the other day, and this is a, a thought experiment that I've been working with for a while. And it's, it, I can honestly say it does help me, but it's taken me a while to get there. But, you know, I love the idea of reincarnation, the different aspects of reincarnation. But, you know, there's a, one of the ideas is that, you know, we are, our, our Ottman, our self, our capital S self, um, chose this path of life for us to be in this current human existence. Right. And so, you know, so in, in, when I get into my shit, right, whether I've done it to myself or I found myself in some kind of shit, some depression, anxiety, some situation that I found myself in of like, what the fuck is this, right? The, the thing that really helps me now is to know that there was a bigger part of me that knew that I was going to face this and knew I could find my way through it. Totally. Right. There's that bigger self that was like, okay, I'm going to choose for Adam to get in this kind of trouble or to have this kind of situation where he has to make this choice, whatever it is. But I know that he's going to be able to be strong enough and be committed enough to do this. And so like, to me, that just, there, there's this reassurance to me that I knew that I would be okay. And that I knew Mm -hmm. that I would be hard to do, but I would figure it out. Right. And and there's a beauty in that to me, you know, and it's taken me a while to really embrace that, but there is a beauty in that. So, you know, like when I find myself in these positions of like, fuck, man, how did this just happen? Okay, back up. Why did you put yourself in this position? What lesson are you needing to learn now? What, you know, bridge can you rebuild that you've burnt down? Whatever it is, right? But how do you, what's your next step? Sometimes it's all about the recovery, 
right? It's not about the play itself. It's about, oh, shit, I fumbled. How do I pick this up and run with it now? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Oh, well, man, I just could probably talk to you for another hour about this stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, but, I know. Uh, I, uh, I just, I love the, the flowiness of the information that you have, how you tie it all together. You know, you just have this beautiful way of presenting information that could be hard to grasp in a very approachable way. And it makes it to where mm, like, I want to learn it. It don't, doesn't feel like a chore. You know, mm. and I love all of our conversations about this stuff. You know, this is, you know, you're one of my favorite people to talk to about, about work in general. Um, mm. same, so, same. man, I appreciate you being on. Is there a kind of final yeah. parting words you want to leave our guests with or not to put you <laughs> on the spot? <laughs> no, no, no. I just like, uh, my kind of like my kind of teenager mind came in there just like say something funny about sexuality or something but uh i was just chuckling at that you know honestly like where am i at with all of this it's like liberate yourself Mm. empower yourself clear out the the old outdated messages that aren't yours you know so that um there's an opportunity for you to experience it for yourself and learn through experience. It's like words and, and, and teachers share information, but us as the receivers of that information, we take that into the experiential practice and we find out if it's true for us, if we resonate with it, if it's a path that's similar for ours and like we resonate with it. Hmm. And so it's like, for the you know for the men listeners it's like go into your like go into look at the way that you're like look at the way that you are with self-pleasure are you in your mind are you just like super blasting yourself with stimulation because your body's so numb and disassociated or like can you be slow and 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 kind and maybe treat yourself like you would a partner like right. loving and taking your time and not rushing to uh, home base, you know, just observe, see what's going on. And in the way that you, um, in the way that you are with your sexuality by yourself first, right? There's so much to see there. We put, we, we even put acts on when we bring in a partner. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go all slow and like, <laughs> you know, warm her up and like foreplay. And it's like, we bring in another and it's like we become a con- completely different person. Right. But when we're by ourselves, are we lighting candles? Uh-huh. Are we pulling out the, you know, giving ourselves a back rub? Are we making a bubble bath? Like, right. is any of that going on? Yep. If not, there's something to look at because yeah. it's like, it's become mechanical. It's become mental. Mm. It's become more in the end of addiction or soothing. And... There's just this world, I believe, waiting for each of us that is like this completely different way of existing and being. And it ripples out into everything else because it's the creative center. It's like the center that so much energy comes from that will ripple into the rest of our body and being. So observe yourself, learn, see what you see and uh, see, open up to what else might be possible for you. Hell yeah, brother. 
Ian, thank you so much, man. I always love our, our, I love our conversations, man. I look forward to chatting again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks as always for having me on. Pleasure, brother. Thank you so much for spending time with Ian and I. Please check out the show notes for ways to get in touch with Ian or myself or ways to support the show. Obeisance and love. We'll see you next time.